Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And your New York Knicks beat the Chicago Bulls 116 to 100. A bit like playing with their food down the stretch of this game. The Knicks just kind of decided to win. And at a certain point, they did. A lot of that was thanks to career-high 20 rebounds from Isaiah Hartenstein. He had a huge impact. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, 60-plus points between the two. Jalen Brunson almost matched his career-high in assists again. Super impressive. But this bench unit might need a little bit of work. So we're going to talk about it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Especially because trade season for the Knicks right now, we're here for you guys. Sometimes more than five days a week, so you know you never want to. You know, we got an emergency weekend drop. Want to make sure you don't miss that. So hit those hit those bells and auto downloads and all that. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, the Strickland, which you can find Strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And your New York Knicks are uh, playing like your favorite team right now. A favorite team you can be proud of, that's for sure. At least <laughs> that's an important uh, qualifier. <laughs> yeah, it's always your favorite team, but yeah. you know, a favorite team that you can look at and go, Woo, what's going yeah. on over there? What are they cooking? The pride, uh, the, Knicks, the pride comes and goes over over twenty years. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Alex. It does, yeah. but lots of it right now in abundance, yeah. in abundance mm-hmm. at this particular moment. Uh, the Knicks win one sixteen to one hundred over the Bulls. Gavin, extremely frustrating first half in this game. The mm-hmm. Knicks committed enough turnovers for like a game and a half in the first half, and uh, I think they, I think they ended the first half at thirteen. 13. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like they, I think they did most of those in the first like eight minutes. It felt like it was very sloppy, and it sort of let the Bulls get into this game. The Bulls were also shooting hot. OG Ananobi found some foul trouble early, which made it so he couldn't quite get in a rhythm in the first half. And then in the second half, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle were like, "Oh yeah, we're the two best players on the floor. Let's just pass the ball back and forth to each other and make lots of shots and win this game." And OG Ananobi was like. I'm really good at defense, so why don't I just do that? And Isaiah Hartenstein was like, Andre who? And just completely uh, bodied Andre Drummond, despite Drummond having his own night. Uh, to some degree, on the offensive glass or whatever, Hartenstein just absolutely dominated on the glass in this game. So I, I feel like Hartenstein's the place to start because, I mean, he's the guy who set the career high, so it seems like no better time to lead a show than this one. Yeah, I, I think it's gone under-discussed and underappreciated what, what what he's been doing. And I'm going to even say on, on this show, and that's stunning because I think we both love Isaiah Hartenstein and, and say almost nothing but good things about him. But where I say it's underappreciated, like let, let's just zoom out for a second. Mitchell Robinson, in the midst of, of I think, what we, we all agreed on, if, if, we're, if we're biased, so be it, like an all-NBA all NBA defense caliber team all defense caliber team season there we go um and he goes out and he um i i said it before i'll stick by it i think as much as any non-superstar in the nba um shaped a team system and a team's identity and for hartenstein to step into that pretty seamlessly and 
honestly improve on it in some ways and that the Knicks do have a little bit more spacing. He does provide that playmaking. Um, there's a little bit more pick and roll craft going on. I heard a stat um, that's now a little bit painful. I mean, Jared Dubin, former Locked On Knicks host, shout out, uh, wrote a really good article on the um, IQ OG Ananobi trade and pointed out that IQ and iHeart had uh, the sixth best pick and roll combo in the NBA in terms of their scoring efficiency. Um, that that's that's stunning considering the Knicks have just not had a dominant pick and roll big in a long time. You got to go back to I feel gross even saying this name. Uh, Ennis, the artist formerly known as Ennis Cantor and iHeart out of nowhere this year after that really wasn't a huge thing last season is doing that. He's passing. He's rebounding. The rim protection, Alex. Benji Ritholtz threw it out there. I agree with it. About as good as any big in the NBA right now. I just didn't know he had this in him for a guy who I, I think the right word would be he played meek at the start of last season. Something flipped midway through last year, and he became an animal. It has continued into this season. The skill progression has continued into this season. He, he's not playing like the best backup center in basketball right now. He, he's just playing like a fantastic starter, and, and I think it's making this all work for the Knicks right now. With all the depth they lost, he's holding it all together. Yeah, I think the – as far as like the leveling up, right? Like we were definitely, we were both like, I seem to remember by around this point of last season, there was even like, there was one point where we brought up like, I don't know, like, cause the Clippers, I think like lost one of their centers uh, at around this point of last year. And we were like, should the Knicks just like send him back to Los Angeles? Like, I don't know, would it be that big of a loss? And now we're like, oof, thank goodness they didn't do that because it was, I, you're right. Like around a certain point last year, he just realized like, okay, I'm not going to be playing how I played in LA. I'm going to have to adjust how Tibbs wants me to play. And then found that gear. And then earlier this year seemed like he was kind of coming in and trying to give a little something different, which was good because I, I think that it's good to have a little variety and have a guy that could do many of the same things as Mitchell Robinson, but not necessarily play exactly the same. And now he's sort of just shifted into like, okay, I have to play just like Mitch now. And he's like, his timing is exquisite. His uh, the ability that he has to just like get in the perfect space to block like any big or any small, really. But uh, I'm still like thinking about in the last game against Gobert, like just how he he did that matchup, and then in this game against Drummond, and just like the quick hands on the inside too. It's so Mitchell Robinson esque when Mitch is at his best, and then just the rebounding too. He's not even just doing it by being like slithery or anything, despite not looking as like enormous as Mitch on the surface. Like he's just powering guys out of there. And like Andre Drummond is no small dude. Like he's probably like pound for pound and like size, thickness, whatever wise, like one of the strongest guys in the NBA. And he was just completely having his way with that matchup along with anyone else that was on the inside. Uh, so it was, it was super, super impressive in that regard from him. And yeah, I, I mean, he's becoming super essential to what this team wants to do. It's it's pretty clear at this point, like I don't think Precious Achua is necessarily going to be able to give you like anything close to what Hartenstein was giving you behind Mitchell Robinson. And so they're going to need like every bit of this from him going forward. But he kind of just seems to be getting better and better. So cool. I, I guess I'll just take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, one quick final note on him. I think the, the shot blocking becomes even more important on – a team without Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett, because you just need those four to five extra easy buckets. And with iHeart, when he's blocking shots, there it's it's leading to transition. And I I, I gotta study it closer because I don't know if it's a thing where he's like batting it up the court because he does get some of those like really just 
big blocks. Um, and sometimes it's him just corralling it. And unlike Mitch, just having the ability to quickly recognize like, all right, where's Jalen? I'm going to get him the ball in his hands in one second. Instead of with Mitch, it's maybe three seconds. And then Jalen can just burst ahead. And and tonight for the Knicks, it's a transition bucket after transition bucket. OG Ananobi running the floor. I thought Julius Randle did an extremely good job of running hard the entire game. We can we can continue talking about that if we want. I mean, him and Brunson each having 30 points in this one. And then on the other side, I mean, the the offensive rebounding and like what was the formula for the Knicks last year? Like it wasn't it wasn't the high efficiency three point volume we're seeing this year. It was offensive rebounds. It was low turnovers, which hasn't really been there recently. Um, but the offensive rebound somehow without the best offensive rebound on earth has remained such a substantial advantage for the Knicks. OG Ananobi is only going to add to that, but Hartenstein, he, he's just making life easier for everyone on this team right now. And, and I think making these lineups sustainable that just otherwise wouldn't quite be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll certainly talk about some lineups that aren't looking super sustainable for the Knicks as we move on in this. I did just want to shout out, you know, I, I'll put this under Hartenstein. This was my favorite team play the whole game, though. And it actually came in the first half, which is ironic because the first half was terrible for the Knicks by by all standards in this game. But I think it just showed the versatility and like the, the perfect version of what this particular lineup can be right now or what like the starters can do at this moment. And it started with Randall up at like the elbow three on the right hand side. He gets the ball. He kicks it down to OG Ananobi in the corner. OG sees a driving lane, drives in, gets cut off, kicks it to a cutting Isaiah Hartenstein who's coming from around the free throw line. He gets cut off also. But then that draws Jalen Brunson's defender in from the other corner. So he kicks it to Jalen Brunson in that other corner. Then whoever it was, probably Alex Crusoe or something. So it was a good, it was a good defensive closeout to get over to Brunson in time. Close it out onto him. He kicks it over to Dante DiVincenzo at the other elbow. Suddenly, every single player that's on the floor has touched the ball, and Dante DiVincenzo gets a wide-open three-point shot. I think I was a little concerned going into this new starting lineup that there maybe wouldn't be enough of guys that are able to put the ball on the floor and that the ball movement would stagnate a little bit and stuff like that. With the combined passing ability of everybody not named Brunson and Randall in that starting lineup, and that includes Hartenstein, which is something that we don't really see from Mitch. The offense, I think, is running so beautifully between those five players. And like, for as much as Hartenstein does on defense, he does a lot of that stuff on offense too. And sometimes it doesn't get it's not going to get recognition either because a lot of it is like a great pass out of an offensive rebound that turns into a bucket or that, you know, turns into a swing sequence, which turns into a bucket, but he's not going to get the assist or anything for that. But that's a big thing that he does and he has great vision for. Or those quick little passes where he's closing in towards the hoop, realizes it's not the best situation for him and has a, the, that ability to bail out and get it to someone else. Um, the Knicks are like probably going to have to pay him a lot of money this coming offseason, which just further complicates things with a lot of guys that are going to need money this offseason. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that all goes when we get there. But I mean, he's he's earning every penny right now. He's He should be a starting player in the NBA going forward. And if he stays on the Knicks as a backup, like, good for him but like he, he deserves to be really handsomely compensated because he's a really good player yeah and I think I think the Knicks 
I mean, we 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 describe the OG and Anobi trade as catering to Tom Thibodeau a little bit. What what's like? I mean, like if the question is like what what what's the gift for the man who has everything? It, it's two centers for Tom Thibodeau. It's two centers who play like Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein. So you want to make Tibbs his year, uh, find a way to bring him back, Leon Rose. And I, honestly, I think I think the Knicks are going to pay him like whatever it takes. Probably going to be $15, 16000000 million dollars a year. But you need this guy on the team, and he's he's making a case that in, in a world where you want to move off Mitchell Robinson, you want to have a little bit more stylistic versatility, as you've noted, Alex, when we were having that discussion um, this past weekend. Um, Hartenstein, like there's an argument to be made that like he could be the better option. All right. Before I go to too far down that dark road, we're going to come back, talk Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson next. Um, but before I do that, Alex, would you mind telling us about our good friends over at FanDuel? Why? Yes, of course, Gavin, I would be happy to because the NFL regular season is wrapping up. Thank goodness if you're a New York sports fan, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, or you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. I'll tell you what, that Parlay Hub is pretty cool. I've seen it before, and I click on it on the app, and I'm like, man, you make a pretty compelling case right here like of to why I should do this. And you know, maybe you adjust that a little bit, but it's a good building block if, you wanna, if you're like, man, there's so many games going on today. I don't know exactly which ones I want to bet on, but you know, this, oh, they'll, they'll be like, here, check these out. These seem like a pretty good bet. Oh, okay, cool. I'll do that. But also same game parlays too. My absolute favorite. I got to pump them every time. It's, I, I did one the other day against Timberwolves. I came up, uh, unfortunately, drastically short thanks to Jalen Brunson's uh, tough game and Carl Anthony Towns not being able to grab a rebound. But it's, it's one of my favorite ways to spice up a Knicks game for like two bucks where you're like, oh, the Knicks won, and maybe I get a chance to win like $100 on a $2 bet. That's that's pretty fun. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Gavin, we're back in to continue talking through this big win, and I quite frankly cannot believe, well, I can't believe, because Isaiah Hardenstein had a really good game. He deserved all that, but... It's about time that we talk about Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. Uh, a combined 66 points in this game. That breaks down as Julius Randle, uh, 35 points on 13 of 23 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, 6 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Jalen Brunson, 31 points on 13 of 22 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3. Uh, he almost matched his career high in assists from the other day, came just one shy with 13. And these two guys, I thought, I mean, when I was watching in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, as the Knicks were sort of just putting their stamp on this game and putting things away, Julius especially stood out in the second half because he had a pretty rough first half. I thought that he was falling into some of his worst tendencies as far as he turned the ball over a couple times. He, you know, all in all, I just don't think was making quite the right reads. The touch wasn't there. Like he was missing some layups that he would normally make. And, you know, th it didn't really shoot the ball all that well. Like it just, it looked like it was going to be an off night and it was going to be almost like the reverse of, of Monday where it would be Julius having an off night and Jalen Brunson having to like pick up the slack and maybe score like 40 points or something. And then the second half, Julius was just like, Oh no, never mind. I, I remembered how to do all of it. And just, 
like attacked, 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 got inside time after time. It seemed like I know it wasn't the case, but it felt like for a little bit there that he scored like 20 straight points for the Knicks. I mean, it was insane. Like he was just the the shot making, the hustle plays, the just getting inside, finishing strong, doing all the best things that he does. Uh, but Jalen Brunson, too, you know, no slouch either. And he was doing a great job of setting up Randall. Uh, for all those looks, a lot of those 13 assists came to Julius Randle because they, their connection was just absolute dynamite when they were on the floor together in the second half. Uh, and Brunson, too, I mean, just kind of carried in the first half and got the Knicks where they needed to be, kept them within striking distance so that they could obviously be the better team in the second half. But those two is one of their best games combined that I can remember in a while now because it seems like for a while it's been like, one will have a great game and the other one will have like a fine game. And but we haven't had this like multiple explosion from both of them in a while. Yeah, I, I I'm very concerned about how much is on both of their shoulders. But for now, um, because I like we like to start positive on this podcast, I'm I'm gonna flip that and say the upside there is that their roles are super ultra clarified. And to be clear. Um, the offense has always kind of been catered to Jalen Brunson first and, and then Julius Randle, like a very close second and everyone else on this team, uh, a very distant third, right? Like, like that, that sort of Tom Thibodeau's philosophy is it's find out who your best scorers are and, and figure out ways to isolate them on the best matchup ever rinse and repeat times a billion trillion trillion, hopefully to a lot of regular season wins. And maybe one day an NBA championship. Um, but the fact that you, you take out an RJ Barrett who, um, just, just by the nature of his game, it wasn't him being selfish It's sort of who he is as a player, like took away from that a little bit, both in terms of the fact that he was not really guarded and it le left an extra guy stuffing the paint. Um, and the fact that he, he liked to shoot the basketball, Alex, and he really liked to have the ball in his hands. He liked to dribble the basketball and you plug in OG and Anobi who, uh, you have to guard on, on the perimeter and he, he does not like to pound the basketball or, or at least he holds himself back from doing so. If he does enjoy that, um, everything is, is, is kind of perfect for them. And, and there's no, like you would see Randall and Brunson sometimes having concessions saying, All right, I know quickly needs a possession here. I know RJ needs a possession here to get engaged. They don't really have to make those concessions anymore. And, and it, it opens up a world where I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Brunson has 27 assists the two games after this trade. It's just because he has the ball in his hands that much more. And it's because they're the only two guys on the Knicks right now, as we, as we keep saying, that can reliably create a shot over and over and over again. I'm going to focus, Alex, if after this you want to dive a little bit deeper on on Brunson, on, on Julius, because I thought it was such an interesting game from him. And to your point, struggled in the first half. I think I'd, I don't even know if there's a pushback because like, I, I think this is kind of what you're getting at. But I don't really know how much of it was his fault because um, our, our buddy Benji, um, you could check it out on Twitter, like he posted a screenshot of the, of the Bulls defense. They had five guys with a foot in the paint with Randall having the ball in the middle of them. And the first play where he got stripped, like he, like someone didn't yell out that like someone was coming backside, but it was also the third guy guarding him. And if you don't have players around him that are like reliably going to hit threes. And I think even more importantly, because we know Deuce and Grimes can shoot guys that if you have a frantic frenetic closeout, they can drive and make you pay. It, it, the Knicks become absurdly easy to guard. And we, we're going to get into that. But then second half Tibbs made, adjustments to some extent still put that lineup out there but for the most part played Randall with better guys around him and it, it made such a huge difference um I, I think the defense leading into offense I mentioned it earlier but Randall did such a great job running in transition the the final shot he made or at least the final one that I put down in my notes with the shot clock expiring where he just bullied Alex Caruso who was locking him up in the first half for an and one that was like kind of an ex 
exclamation point on this win that made it 108-95, essentially put it away. And I thought defensively, Alex Randall, like may maybe OG Ananobi's inspiring him a little bit. Like he had some really good sequences in this game. My favorite one was um, it was Kobe White getting the ball in the corner and, and Randall recognized it. And typically you'll see Randall recognize something like that happening and he just won't move an inch. And this time he sprinted all the way over, got a contest, forced a miss, sprinted on down the court. Dante DiVincenzo hit him on a Hail Mary pass just ahead of the outstretched hand of Alex Caruso. Julius Randall laid it in. To me, that, that one play kind of summed up his whole night, but um, it was an awesome physical, brutal performance. Like there are nights where Randall's just making everything like, like in that last Raptors game or against the Timberwolves and he'll get 35 points. I don't think tonight was that tonight was him being like, I am going to grind this out and I'm going to land some body blows. And it, it was, it was a brutal thing of beauty. Yeah. I guess I'll just say in terms of the impact of both of them, um, mm -hmm. cause I do think they were pretty, especially in that second half, they were so linked. Like they were just very symbiotic with the way that, you know, they were playing together, run, uh, Randall and Brunson. I was just called the Brun Brunson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go with that. New celebrity uh, couple name. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, poor Kendra. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, I, I thought that what I really liked too was that they went to the transition a lot in the second half and you just alluded to it a second ago and we sort of talked about it with Hartenstein too and the fact that you know when he gets those blocks or he gets a defensive rebound, he's good about making that outlet quickly. Brunson was, I thought, in this game, so much of what led to those high assist totals. And I'll be interested to watch like every one of his assists once they're like uploaded on NBA stats and whatever, just to confirm this to what my eyes were telling me. But like a lot of those assists definitely came like in transition, just hitting guys streaking down the court. And Randall was one of those guys a, a couple of times. And I like that the Knicks understand that that's a strength of theirs. I don't know if it's Tibbs's ideal. Maybe he's finally caving in and being like, I mean, he always pays lip service to transition, but you could tell that his preference is just to like these guys come down every single time. It's like set up the offense and like run a pick and then hit Julius and then like ISO up a little bit, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, that's definitely what Tibbs wants. Uh, but the Knicks, especially with the way that the starting lineup is constructed now are very much made to run as long as they're up for it. And Brunson being head up right away and not just settling into like, okay, I got to get the ball over the timeline and then set up a set, you know, like being head up, like, Hey, let's get going. Like if you get down there, I'll put the ball in your hands. I think that's going to be key for the Knicks going forward. And one of those big things, like one of those big benefits that can come from the defense getting better is that yeah. you get more transition opportunities and more opportunities to shine there. Uh, yeah. Kevin, uh, one, one, one really last quick thing on that, Alex, I, I think, it's so fascinating because part of Tibbs, like I don't even know if it's him being reluctant about transition. I think it's that he wanted conservative defenders in the past, right? He wanted Reggie Bullock, who was never going to get a steal, never going to get a block, but also wasn't going to make mistakes. And now you have Dante DiVincenzo in there, who's kind of a risk taker. Like he's a safety who's going for the pick six or getting burned for the touchdown. We saw both in this game. The brilliance of Ananobi is that he can be a safe defender and still have some of the highest steal and block rates in the NBA. Hartenstein with those outlet passes. Like, I, I totally agree with you. They're just more built for it. And like Josh Hart hasn't even really gotten involved yet. You got to remember at the end of last year, like they were top six in the NBA pretty much just because of Hart. So I, I think there's there's more like meat on the bone there. And, and that could totally transform this offense that is, is going to need to scrape points because against better defenses, they're going to have some stretches where it just looks awful, which I, I think is what we're going to talk about next. 
Yeah, definitely is what we're going to talk about. I uh, got to talk about that bench. I also want to talk about OG Anobi a little bit more as well, because I think that he had another really standout game in his second game. But first, Gavin, do you want to let everybody know about our good friends over at Game Time? Absolutely, Alex. Uh, game Time is the one place you should be going to buy your tickets because you ultimately shouldn't have to be worrying about where you're going to go to get tickets for your next big event. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I, I've told this story in this probably before, but it's near and dear to my heart because I got to see Jalen Brunson drop 50 points on 9-9 nine nine three-point shooting, and no one can take that away from me. And it was all thanks to Game Time. They made it super, super easy in that I could already see the view from my seat. And honestly, like, it's not the fact they're a sponsor. The reason I went to Game Time is because of the Game Time guarantee. So what does that mean? It means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less on any other ticketing site, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So there's no world where Game Time isn't the lowest price. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more right up to the start time of the event. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty. Uh, we we went through the positive, and you know what, Alex? Let, let's let, let's just get all the positive out of the way before we go negative. Uh, OG Ananobi, um, pretty good game. A little bit quieter. Eleven points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals. But I I thought his defense, uh, uh, wow, crazy. Uh, shined late in this game, and and he made just enough plays offensively to help the Knicks separate down the stretch of this one. Yeah, I think the big thing. I mean, I know we always bring this up, but. You know, if you look at single game plus minus, it can be a little deceptive sometimes. You know, it's like you have to look at larger samples of what guys do when they're on the court versus off, whatever. But if you get into the 30s in any given game, it's usually pretty good indication that you had a really solid outing. And uh, OG Ananobi ends with a team high plus 35 in this game, which is absurd in 34 minutes. Uh, also shoots five and nine, 11 points, eight boards, two assists, two steals. Like, the numbers don't jump off the page, but like, I think the way that he played did, you know, even so, because what I really saw in this game was like the first half things got derailed again. Like he got two pretty quick fouls that took him out of the game earlier than tips probably wanted. And then he came back in and like, it just seemed like we'll talk about it in a sec. The negative thing is that the, the one particular bench unit that ran with Julius Randall was just awful in this game. And like, really was the large part of the Knicks going into the half down in this game. And so in that time, when that was going on, the Knicks kind of lost their mojo and then come back in, and it was kind of like scratching and clawing. They did. I mean, OG almost had a three to end the half. If things could have moved like a quarter of a second faster from Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle getting the ball up the court, but they kind of like played a really slow version of hot potato where they let their fingers get a little singed first before yeah, getting into OG on an OB. Lukewarm potato at best. Luke, yeah. Yeah. Lukewarm potato, maybe. Yeah. It must have not been hot enough. They were like, oh, <laughs> you think this potato's hot? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to hold it all day. <laughs> <laughs> this is pleasant. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't get the ball to him fast. Enough, so he could have ended with 14 points because he hit a really nice, what could have been buzzer beater uh, at the end of the first half, but you could already see the seeds being planted of him making an impact on the game towards the end of the first half. 
and it gave you some hope for the second half. And then he, he, he carried through on all that in the second half. And you know, what's, what's great about him is you get multiple levels of things with him. Like the two offensive rebounds, one of them came at a really key juncture. The Knicks just like really needed another, another offensive rebound. I don't know if they, if they scored that an offensive rebound or a steal for him, but either way, there's just like semi brutal sequence where the Knicks just could not make a shot, even though they were getting all these offensive rebounds. So it was like, I think it was Brunson took the first shot. I forget who yeah. took the first one, but it clanked it. And then uh, offensive rebound back out. Uh, Josh Hard, I think, was yeah. the yep. second one, mm. misses it. And then Julius Randle took another one, didn't he? And then they get like three yeah. three-pointers, missed all three of them. Finally, I think it was Caruso grabbed the ball, was getting ready to turn and go up, either him or Desumu. I forget who was there for that. But OG just kind of reaches in there, snatches the ball away, and is like, nope, dunk. And there was some of that athleticism that we were talking about in the last show too, where he just gives you something different on the inside. Like he's not, he's not, I don't know, like John Morant or something. Like he doesn't have springs in his legs, but like he's got functional ups and functional length. So if he's inside and you're not guarding him, like someone would guard like Hartenstein or something like real up close and personal, he's just going to jump and dunk on you because he's got enough athleticism to pull that off. And uh, he certainly did that. And that was, I think one of the bigger, bigger impact plays of the second half as far as like finally just sort of like driving the knife into the bulls and being like nope this game's over your your time's up here uh we're gonna win this game because that was that was pretty backbreaking for the knicks to miss three shots and then still get two points out of it on one possession um so i think that was just kind of emblematic of what og brings as well as everything we sort of loosely talked about to this point with the the deflections the man-to-man defense like he he turned the valve off on DeMar DeRozan and then he turned the valve off on Kobe White like he kind of just went around and like turned the lights out on everybody you know one after the other and was like nope you're not hot anymore you're not hot anymore it's done you know forget it just go home and uh the Knicks sent the Bulls back 0-2 on this I don't know if they're still on a road trip but they lost in Philly the night before in embarrassing fashion and lost similarly embarrassingly to the Knicks in this one uh largely thanks to OG on nobody on defense yeah, um, I, 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 we, we probably haven't talked enough on this pod about the fact that like the Knicks announced that Mitchell Robinson would be out or reevaluated in eight to ten weeks, and then also applied for the um, injured player exception. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm misphrasing that, but um, player exception is the disabled, there. We go disabled right, yeah. player exception, um, uh, in, implying that they strongly believe um, that he is going to miss the entire season. But if there's some world where, where the first one is actually more true, and Mitchell Robinson is is coming back. Um, after the all-star break at some point this year, it would be really, really cool to see him, OG, Randall. I'm just going to, this is a made up lineup, so I won't even have a point guard in here. Uh, Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes together because the Knicks just feel like, I don't know if this is the right term, but more, more adult maybe than they did in the past. Like OG is just a freaking dude. He's a man out there. And, and like, I don't, I almost don't know if like it's worth describing it in a more sophisticated way. Like to me, that just sums up his impact. He's a bully. Like Julius Randle's a bully offensively. OG Ananobi is a bully all the time. It's not, he's not a one-way bully. Like he did, he had this great attack on a closeout and the Bulls, sent the second defender in his way. He had to go to an up and under. He missed it, but he just got it back. He was too damn strong around the rim, laid it in. Um, it, it just sometimes like, like I describe it, Mitch this way. Sometimes I describe Randall this way. Sometimes like now, now OG's in this category too, where it's like a college guy playing against high school. It's like an NBA guy playing against um, 
college guys. Like he just looks too big. And his defense down the stretch was was just outstanding. It was easy to miss if you weren't watching closely, if you weren't watching every clip three times like Tibbs. But he had like this great like slide in help defense at the rim to cause a Caruso miss. He was doing that over and over again against the Timberwolves. Um, he had this awesome, awesome sequence where it was like Patrick Williams and DeMar DeRozan, I'm pretty sure, playing a two-man game on the perimeter. Unfortunately, Hartenstein got flipped out on the perimeter. So DeRozan saw that. He tried to get the ball to Patrick Williams really quick so Pat Will could drive and, and probably get right by Hartenstein. OG with those seven-foot-two wingspan arms, able to deflect it. Eventually, they do get it to Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams pretty quickly beats Hartenstein, but OG, recognizing that the shot clock's about to expire, just sprints over, gets a great contest on it, Forces the miss. Um, did the same to Kobe White on a switch after Kobe White was just was just torching poor Deuce McBride earlier. Um, what a sequence, Moji Ananobi. Alex, we, we promised we'd get to it. We'll 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 do it right now. Um, the the bench unit needs some help. We we alluded to it a little bit when talking about Julius Randle, but that uh, Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart, Julius Randle, Precious Achua lineup is is not it. Um, because Deuce McBride is is not an NBA point guard right now. And I don't even know if he's an NBA player right now, the way I know, I know he ended up hitting a three in this game, but the way he's playing offensively, even though he had some awesome moments, defensively took back to back charges, like, like that lineup just does not have enough oomph, enough spacing. It, it honestly, like, I think it's going to tank the Knicks in, in a playoff series. I know in a playoff series, you can cut down your rotation. You can play your better guys, more minutes. It might even tank them in the regular season though, as they continue to play better and better teams. It is a, fire show off that, that almost makes it sound good. Um, it is a tire fire offensively. That's what I was going for. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw a proposal your way that based on our, our pre-show conversation, you are going to shut down, but I kind of think a uh, hot take alert coming up here. It's Evan Fournier time. And I know he's not a point guard, which is what this unit isn't point. This unit is, is desperate, desperate, desperate for a point guard that can um, create an advantage. Uh, but what Fournier is, is someone who's averaged 15 points in the NBA in six different seasons. Um, he is a professional scorer. He's played in super big games, mostly on the international stage, but has played in super big games and played well in super big games. I know it's looked really, really bad whenever he's played this year and whenever he's played last year, but I think if he was given whatever it is until like the trade deadline where he's hopefully dealt for something better, like 18 or so games to get into a rhythm, he could provide some shooting. He could provide just a little bit more playmaking and he could provide someone who's at least confident enough to attack a closeout run a pick and roll. We've seen him have fantastic chemistry with Julius Randle in a two-man game. My point here, Alex, is like this team, like if, if they make a trade overnight for something better, that's fine. Then we don't need to go to Fournier, but they need another guy in that lineup who can just do something with the basketball. And 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 there's nothing there right now. There's, there's nothing, nothing there to the point that a crummy Bulls defense or an average Bulls defense could absolutely shut them down and, and almost get Chicago back in the game again to start the fourth quarter after taking a big lead in the second quarter when that lineup was out there. So I think before I would break the Evan Fournier glass, I need to see what Malachi Flynn can do. <laughs> like, I think that he's, he's a guy that we were, we were certainly high on going into that, that 2020 draft. And I remember when the Knicks took quickly, we were like, but Flynn was right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we were like super yeah. into him. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, how the turntables. But like, yeah. you know, I, I I think that I would more want to see him in nine minutes per game than Fournier, because as much as Fournier can make shots, I guess the other. OK, I guess the other alternative that I would throw out there is don't even put anyone like if you're 
if you're going to throw Fournier out there, just figure out a way to keep like DiVincenzo out there an extra 10 yeah. minutes or something. Like play DiVincenzo 33 minutes and then, you know, I don't know, Hart an extra two minutes or something like that. Like just do that and just play the like super cutty, shooty brand of basketball that those guys play. Like just everybody's making off ball cuts. Everybody's trying to get inside. Just try to feed them back door. Try to hit guys, you know, coming around, swinging around on the perimeter. Like, just play a, a nonstop motion. Like, create like a, like a, like an orbit around Julius Randle of just, you know, like three point shooters and cuts. If that's going to be your lineup. That said, like, I did like that Tibbs sort of adjusted a little bit in the second half, and instead of going to Randle as the last man standing out of the starters for an extended period, he went with Brunson going up until like butting up to the fourth quarter basically and then went to that lineup and i wish he had just kind of not gone back to that lineup because I, when he put them back out there i think it was to start the fourth maybe they had a second at the end of the fourth but i just remember at the start of the fourth quarter i'm looking and i'm like you're so close to putting this game away why would you put that lineup back out there mm -hmm. like they were nothing but a negative in the first half like you want to talk about single game plus minus again Grimes ends up a minus 20. Deuce ends up a minus 15. Precious ends up a minus 16. Every other player was a positive on the team in this game. And that's like a clear indication. Like that lineup did not work. So why would you go back to that again? Um, I, again, yeah, I'm kind of with you, unfortunately. Like the way that Deuce is playing, I don't know if they got to like send him back to the G League for a minute and just be like, hey, man, like remember when you were scoring like 32 points per game in the G League? Like figure that out again, please. Because we need a little more of that up here. Like we need that confidence. Like I know that Tibbs is notorious for the quick hook and whatever, but he is definitely giving Deuce a chance here. And Tibbs likes Deuce apparently. Like that's why they extended him and everything else. Like he officially can't be traded until I think this off season now because they just extended him. So like he's safe. Like he should know, like you're not going to get quick lead here. You're not going to get traded. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, um, I hate that as a, as a verb, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get played too little and then traded. Uh, <laughs> and given up on he had 26 um, tonight, Alex. He had 26. Tonight. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, it, it, that's basically my main point. You know, I just think I I want to see Malachi Flynn first. But then, yeah, it, certainly if the Knicks have one more move to make, which I think we're in agreement that they do, you know, we'll just wait on that, I guess. But I think Flynn can make a better stopgap than Fournier if, if I'm a betting man. I just think Fournier would turn what's already a tenuous situation in that backup unit with Precious clearly not being like, anything close to what Hartenstein's giving you at the center spot. Like, I just don't think you want to be like, Oh, let's throw another like awful defender out here and just see how things go. Cause I think you might make up for some of the, the losses on the offensive end, you know, and get some points back with Fournier, but we've seen, and this is why he doesn't play anymore. And it's just essentially a chunk of salary now that he just gives up more than he gets uh, on that end at this point in his career. So, um, We'll see how that all goes ultimately. But Gavin, I think that's it for me. That was my that was the only thing I wanted to gripe about because otherwise it was a pretty fun game. Uh, but the Knicks have a much stiffer test on Friday against the Sixers, which uh, hopefully they're able to smooth out a couple of these little little bad things because they're not going to get the opportunity to just stomp the Sixers like they did the Bulls today. Yeah, I, I was saying it to you pre-show, but it was I think it was 54-44. And then from there, the Knicks outscored them 72 to 46 when they when they were like, all right, let's take things seriously. Uh, my final point on that lineup is is it might might be a disaster with Fournier, but I think it would be a funnier and more enjoyable disaster. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. And I'm I'm looking to be entertained. That's that's what basketball's for at the end of the day. Final, final thing, uh, clean up the turnovers. Jalen Brunson, uh, he's been like obviously fantastic to see him get off the schneid, um, to use an eye and eagle term. 
um, um, in terms of his shooting. That was great. Uh, passing was great. Four turnovers. Some of that is part and parcel to just having the ball in your hands a lot. But it's weirdly been him, Josh Hart, and Oak Oak Oak. I always forget it. Um, R.J. Barrett, um, who who have been kind of the culprits the last five or six games for the Knicks, and I like just just slightly better decision making. Uh, the bright side of that is like a lot of times it's just in an effort to overpass, and th- this team has done a great job moving the basketball. The OG Ananobi error is super duper fun. We're not going to talk about those other two guys who had pretty good games tonight for the Raptors. Maybe that's a show for another day. But until then, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Big, big Knicks win. We will talk to you very, very soon on Knicks.